Good evening and welcome to episode five. Four, five, five, season two. Season, welcome season. to episode five, five. of series two of Veterinary yeah. Ramblings. My <laughs> name's Mike Brampton. And my name's Julian Hode. <laughs> welcome aboard, everybody. Welcome. Cheers. Pour yourself a drink, sit back and listen. Mm. Enjoy the show because we've got quite a guest on us on our show this evening. And You're I have no idea where this show is going to go. <laughs> <laughs> you, you may not believe it sitting at home there. You may not believe that actually this isn't always completely scripted. But actually, you know, hands up, it's not completely scripted. No. We obviously have several pages of, of script. Um, yeah. More here. There we go. Yeah. Uh, but but you know it's, it's it's not completely scripted. Well, no. Well, I, I never look at the notes. I, never I can't have. read the writing. I'll be honest. It's a little bit of a mess, isn't it? Yeah. I, I, I can't. I can't get my head around any of it at all. But uh, you know, such is life. But um... hi, I'm Mike Brampton, and my name is Julian Ho. Welcome to Veterinary Ramblings. We, we, we've certainly got a, a well-travelled visitor this evening, haven't we? We have. He's been to pretty much every country in the world and lived for a good five or ten years on every country in the world. Yep. Which makes him about uh, 250. And he doesn't look it at all, does no, he? No, he, he, he doesn't. I calculated he was actually 263. Is he really? Yeah, I've only known him for about 25 years. but um, yeah. yeah, I've known him for about that. And uh, he hasn't changed a bit during that no, time. Not, yes, not at, at over two hundred, you're not going to, are you? No. I've noticed he, he's got uh, he's got a little thin on top. Really? A little bit, yeah. Oh, yeah. bless! I've 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 got a whole plan in in place in case that happens for me. Yeah, me too. Me yeah. too. Yeah, <laughs> not for a while yet for us though, eh? <laughs> no. Good, good. No, no chance on that one. Fair enough. But yeah, uh, yeah so so our guest tonight um, works as a clinical instructor and mentor for the new Surrey Vet School. Mm-hmm. Um, he has also been a small animal editor and lately the consultant editor for UK Vets Companion Animal Journal. Other veterinary journals do exist, of course. Uh, yes, of course. Other, other veterinary journals do exist. Um, he's actually done that for nearly 20 years now, would you believe? Has he really? Yeah. yeah. Oh. So he's, he's, he's also written a book. He has. He has written a book. At least one. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, we'll have to get him talking about that because one of the best chapters in it is how to say farewell to a dog. And uh, I think um, that's quite an important one to, to touch on, really, isn't it? We'll ask him about that um, because he's also a small animal vet um, working on the front line. Uh, he gets involved mm-hmm. in um, animal, he's very involved in animal welfare. Um, and wildlife rescue. Wildlife rescue, indeed, which is, is something I share because I'm a trustee of one of the UK's biggest wildlife uh, animal charities. Um, and general all round good egg. Should we get him in? Because I've just heard him ping say that he's in the waiting room. Let's get him in. Let's, Let's get him get in. Don't him. wait so, too long. What's his name again? Uh, it, it's Carl. It's Carl Gorman. Okay. So with that, good evening, Carl Gorman. Actually, what? Well, good evening, Carl. I'm amazed. What? 
it worked. <laughs> I'm, amazed. I'm amazed from your end and I'm amazed from my end as well. <laughs> <laughs> well, we can't get any better than that. So let's say good night. Uh, yeah, absolutely. So uh, with that note, um, hope Fantastic. you enjoyed the show. Cheers. Hope you enjoyed the show and, and may your dog go with you. Uh, good night. May your dog go with you. Yeah. I was skiing, uh, skiing in France a couple of years back and we went out skiing one day with the owner of the chalet and his um, eight-year-old son. And it was a cold morning, so, you know, I put an extra layer and I was sitting in a chairlift like that. And this little kid looked look round and he nudged his dad in the ribs. He said, Mr. Hode's very fat, isn't he? <laughs> and his father said, now, come on, don't be fattest. He said, I'm not. He's fattest by far. <laughs> That's brilliant. Do you, do you ski, Carl? I do. I do. I haven't been for a couple of years, but uh, yes, I, I enjoy it a lot. Yeah. Where, where do you normally go? Um, all over the place, but mostly to, to France, but um, been to Livigno in Italy. And uh, actually the first place I went, which was, the first winter after I qualified was up to Valteron, which mm. was the highest ski resort, uh, having never been skiing before. It wasn't necessarily the best idea, but um, I got on very well. And our ski instructor was a, um, a French guy called André. And uh, he thought I was doing so well, but by the Thursday of our first week, he decided to take me on a tour with all the experienced skiers. So we, <laughs> we went up to the top of the highest ski resort in France. Mm -hmm. And um, I remember getting out of the uh, lift at the top and it was misty. And there was this ledge that must've been about eight feet wide that we all had to shuffle along. And then we just, he said, follow me and headed down this vertical slope. And I was sort of making my way down and there was girls in the group clinging to the slope, crying. <laughs> I went by. <laughs> well, if I can survive this. I it's can do it's it. quite vertiginous, isn't it? Off the uh, off the chairlift onto the glacier at the top of Belteron. Mm, yeah, it was. It was. Uh, it was uh, designed to make or break. I think. I, I, I skied Belteron once. Did you? Yeah, yeah. I ended up with concussion and third degree burns all down my back. <laughs> it's funny you should say that because one of our group, uh, yes, skied off a thirty foot drop. Uh, it's the it's the only time I broke two hundred kilometers an hour. And I crashed in the run-out area at the French World Cup in 1980, maybe about 89. Um, so I, I skied the course, skied through the time trap, and there was a compression, a sharp dip just at the edge of the bottom of the timing trap. And I tumbled over backwards. And because I didn't finish standing upright in control... Uh, my time didn't count. However, it did cause a postponement of the whole event because the whole of the world's top 10 ladies had all crashed at that point. And as I was just outside the top 20, I was one of the first men to actually run it. And they, they thought that uh, it was obviously a girl thing that they all wiped out. Mm -hmm. uh, so they sent the men down and I was one of the first to go and I wiped out as well. So with my wipeout, they postponed everything. And uh, unfortunately for me, all the medics were busy at that time. And I've got a vague memory of um, one of my pals skiing down to the resort with me. Um, and I 
the other memory I have is I walked into the wrong hotel and walked into the first bedroom that I could find and the French family were there having their lunch. I thought it was going to be the old excuse. I'm sorry, mademoiselle. I mean, the wrong <laughs> floor. <laughs> you, know, you, you think racing, you think ski racing's glamorous? <laughs> Get out. So there were carpet burns, were they, Mike? <laughs> yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, because at, at that speed, um, as, as you're tumbling and, and bouncing, mm. your thin rubber suit very quickly heats up with the friction Ooh. off the ice. Ooh, um, yes, so he's trying to move the various bits to make it more comfortable. Um, I went back up that afternoon and I recorded, a, they moved the start level a bit lower down and uh, I recorded a 186.86 kilometres per hour. Unbelievable. That's incredible. <laughs> the things we do in our youth, eh? Absolutely. I, I got 76 miles an hour once. I think that could have been ultra round. That's good going. That's good going. I caught these with that. Yeah. Intentionally? It all the way down. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. 76. I was, I was clocked at 76 miles per hour at the Val d'Isere downhill. I crashed that day as well, which is why I took up speed skiing. But anyway, let's move on. <laughs> let's, let's, do, let's move on. <laughs> I remember the first. Looking incredulous here, Carl. Did, did you not know that you were talking to a, <laughs> one, of, one of the world's fastest ski racers back in the day? Back in the day, very impressive. Yeah, yeah, no, 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 they're doing 150 miles an hour nowadays. Are they really? Yeah, yeah. So, my 100, my 120 mile an hour is nothing. 100, 151, I think the world record is now. Wow, that's just insane. It is, it is. Yeah. Sorry, I've killed the whole evening. How do, you, how do you wipe your goggles or answer a phone call at that speed? It's ridiculous, isn't it? Oh, you can't. I could tell you a few stories about that, but I won't, I won't worry about that now. Because actually, Carl and I share some other interests, which is things like um, well, long-distance walking and cycling. I oh, yes. Well, I share the long-distance walking with you. You do? I don't really share the cycling, because I'm not very good at cycling, so I, I continuously get knocked off when I cycle, oh, right. which isn't good for me. Well, if you stop t- telling people when you were going out, Julian, they might. <laughs> I'll be on the A24 from about ten thirty, heading north. <laughs> you got me, please, mate. <laughs> Did you do much cycling, Carl? You, you, uh, I, I do. Yeah, I don't. I, I don't aim to go very fast, but uh, we like to, to to do the distances. So, so I'll, 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 apart from the off-road things, are you know the the um, London to Edinburgh uh, cycle was our sort of. Um, when did you do that? That's about five years ago, I think. Have um, you done anything like that since? Not since. No. Well, I did the. Um, I've done a few velothons and things. So we did the Wales velothon, which was uh, two years ago, and that was quite tough. Simply because, I mean, it was fantastic because they closed a hundred miles of road for us to ride on. So it was like being on the Tour de France, you know. Well, I'd like that. I'd like it cycling if they close the road. Oh, yeah, and it was special. boiling hot. It was, it was 30 degrees at the top of the Breckens when we got to the top. So they had to put in extra water tankers and people were out there with their hose in their front garden spraying. Oh, bless. <laughs> it was, you know, as an experience, it was fantastic. Um, the other ones we've done, they haven't closed the road, so it's not been quite such fun. <laughs> And we were due to do the dragon ride this year, which is again, I think it was 90 kilometres um, around the Breckens. But um, of course, that's 90 kilometres with the final 
10 or 12. That's right. Slope something yeah. like that, isn't it, on the dragon? And that was the trouble with the Velothon was that um, it was a long ride, but you went about 60 kilometres on relatively flat stuff. And then all of a sudden you went up the tumble, which is really yep. steep. And just and then everything was just hills after that. So they waited till you'd sort of worn yourself out a bit, and then it's not fair, is it? <laughs> but long distance walking, yes, certainly yeah. into that. And uh, you're you're in the process of doing a, a, a walk in Wales, aren't you? Uh, not yes, not the, the, the around the Wales, around the coastal park, and actually, eventually, I suppose that it's joined up with Offers Dyke Path to um, so you can actually do a whole a whole circum navigation of Wales. Yes. Circumperambulation. Perambulation, that's it. But could you could you not get on your bicycle at Conway Castle in the north and then ride down to Cardiff? Well, I'm sure you could, yes. Well, I've done it the other way, from Cardiff to, roads there. to Holly, Hollyhead, which was uh, was very good. You can do it off-road. It's an off-road route, isn't it? Yeah, the Long Lass, which is the green, green route. And right. um, yeah, it took four days, and you crossed three mountain ranges, which is always good. And uh, yeah, it was it was uh, it was a, a good achievement, I think, at the time. Why, was, why would you do such a thing, Carl? It was to raise money for our local school. On that occasion, we were after right. a classroom for a. My kids went to a very very tiny um, village school in a village near Newbury, and um, only you know only about hundred pupils altogether. Um, but we needed a new classroom, so we just set off to raise the money, and uh, that was one of one of the things we did. It was, it was good. Fantastic. Press You're not suggesting that the government wouldn't reach deeply into its pocket and fund the classroom itself, were you? No. That way, heresy lies, surely. Oh, Carl, yeah. Carl wouldn't do that sort of thing because Carl's. Uh, no. So, is, is your school part of the Worthless campaign? No. <laughs> the, in, in, it's a thing, Mike. In Sussex, uh, most of the primary schools and the senior schools actually belong to something called the Worthless campaign. Uh, because pound for pound, our students get less than London students. Oh, really? Yeah. Isn't isn't that normally reserved for people up in Yorkshire and Northumberland that complain about that? Yeah, no, it's 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 everyone who's not in London. Yes, so yeah. they think enough anyway. Right. So it's called the worthless campaign. Worthless. Right. Yeah. Suge suggesting that they are that 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 pupils in in Sussex are worth less than those in in the boroughs of london in the metropolis absolutely metropolis. all right does that have you come across that carl no i haven't although um i do know about the because uh, um we were my ex-wife was governor of the school and also kit sturgis is uh, governor of his local hmm. school down in the new forest and um he, he was telling me the struggles because uh, i suppose you see things from both sides don't you as a, as a sort of parent or a, just a normal person you think oh my goodness why don't they have an extra teacher here or why can't they provide mm -hmm. this? why do you have to pay for school trips and then you see the other side of the coin where they have such tight budgets and um it's, something has to give because there's just no room for for, for maneuver and you're quite right they they the, the schools outside of london get a, a much lower allowance and budget they, they do carl you um We've got on your bio that you, you absolutely hate travelling. You've only ever lived in England and uh, <laughs> uh, pretty much parochial. Don't, don't go anywhere. Is that right? Yes. It's a, you know, till I moved to Newbury, I'd never really lived in the same place for more than um, two or three years. 
Um, so it feels a bit strange to have been in this same same place for well, 30 something years now, 1989 we moved and took on the practice. Um, wow. But yes, born in Malaysia, moved to West Africa at the age of four and stayed there for seven years, then back to Malaysia and then back to Africa and <laughs> off to the, well, my father was in the Middle East briefly, we didn't actually stay there while he was there, but um, uh, Indonesia, Sri Lanka, Bangladesh and Thailand. It was, a, it was a lovely childhood, interspersed by spells at English boarding schools with all the, and um, you know, not in the modern era, it was in the proper old um, Tom Brown school days era with fags and uh, running around the cricket pitch in the morning for punishment. And yes. Uh, good, good. Seats wow. for extra tuck and all that. Yeah, yeah absolutely. Yes, we used to tuck three times a week. And we were allowed three, uh, well, it was seven old pence. And when, when decimalization came in, they, they cut us down to three P. It should have been three and a half P, but we got three yeah. P instead, which would buy you a Mars bar or a packet of crisps. Well, you're pint in those days, wouldn't it? Not at school, probably. <laughs> a couple of times. <laughs> and a room for the night. <laughs> so, so you've, because there's, uh, there's a whole index, isn't there, that, that says where the, the retail prices are in relation to the price of, a Mars bar. Mars bar, absolutely, yes. And that's quite a good idea, really. Yeah. Mm. So, so you follow that, do you? No, I did for a while. I remember <laughs> I remember being very interested in it one, at one point, but it, you know, it just it got it got a bit ridiculous. I do remember going to but when I was at uh, Tunbridge, my dad came to see me one weekend and we were wandering through the town and happened to look at an estate agent. And I remember seeing this this fantastic house. It was a massive house, pool, tennis courts outhouses, a billiard room, which I was particularly in, impressed by, um, and acres and acres of garden. And, and I remember this house cost £50,000. I remember saying to my dad, I said, one day I'll have a house that's worth £50,000. <laughs> <laughs> and you haven't quite made it yet. <laughs> so it sounds like an amazing upbringing. God. It was great, yes. And um, my dad was always, he was a civil engineer, but... Um, he was always very interested in uh, in animals, so we also had a, had a huge menagerie wherever we were, sort of mouse, deer, and cockatoos. And uh, he used to like German shepherds, so we had about three or four German shepherds in Malaysia. Um, and when we went to the Gambia, West Africa, we had lots of parrots, and I remember being given a uh, a homing pigeon that I called Miranda once, which was just as we were moving up country. So uh, this friend of ours gave us this pigeon, which I put in a small cardboard box took up country to where we were moving because normally we live by the coast, but for a year we were posted into the sort of dark interior. Mm. Um, and of course, Miranda promptly flew home. So I had her for about 10 minutes and then <laughs> off she went. Yeah. I, I used to sell pigeons too. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, needs must, you know, it, it, times are tight, you know, yeah. make a buck. Here you go, gov, you know, Good yes. pigeon, yeah. Always come home. Always come home. Off you go. The, um, the, actually, the, the nice thing about the Gambia was the first prime minister and president of the Gambia was a, a guy called Dauda Jawara, and uh, he was a, a vet. He went to Glasgow Vet School, um, so I was in in good hands in the Gambia. Mm. And uh, had a uh, gov government veterinary officer called Donny Graham, who was a Scots uh, guy, and. Um, he had a parrot. I remember his parrot could uh, whistle the uh, Laurel and Hardy theme tune. That was his his uh, party trick. 
Oh dear. Uh, we're, we're straying away from the point. I can't remember what the point was, but what oh, talking about? I know what it is. Let's move on because we're, doing, we're talking about long distance walking. Yeah. And then you said you were in the Norfolk Broads, and that would segue quite nicely into I've just come back from Northumberland where I walked past of Hadrian's War. Ah, that's a fascinating place, isn't it? Great, really good. Yes, yes, yes. I walked back a few years ago. That was another charity do. And uh, I think uh, three of us went with my, with my collie dog and we walked at the length of Hadrian's Wall, which was fantastic. I've never been to Newcastle before and that was an eye-opener. <laughs> Can you speak the language? Aye, bonny lad. <laughs> yeah. so, so it was the, it was the young ladies out in the middle of winter wearing virtually no clothes that was the eye-opener. Well, yes, any time of the year. I don't know what they do when it gets hot. Because they've got nothing else to take off. <laughs> There's nothing else is there to take off. <laughs> so it's, it's around ninety miles, isn't it? Yes. So you, you could walk it in, in in three days if you really put your foot down. But I, I guess what you did it in five, do you? And uh, oh, we did it. We did it in, in four. Yeah. Right. We stayed in. Uh, we so we stayed for two nights at one end in a place called Walk, which was near um, which was near Newcastle, and we stayed in a we stayed. We stayed in a pub called the Black Bull, and it was right next door to a pub called the White Bull. And apparently, there'd been, there'd been one pub called the Grey Bull, and the two owners had fallen out, so they'd split it into the, the Black Bull. Is that right? <laughs> and the uh, I remember one of the guys I went walking with was quite 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 posh. He's an auctioneer for a lo- local uh, auction house here, and uh, we decided to eat in the first night. <laughs> So we uh, we sat in the restaurant and the landlady was most excited to have residents or guests, and uh, she brought us our food and then we asked us what we'd like to drink and my friend Chris said, uh, "Could we see the wine list?" And she looked at him in confusion and she went, "Well, we've got red or white." <laughs> <laughs> so we chose the red, and uh, she said at the end of the meal, she said, "Oh, how was it?" And he went. Very nice, thank you. Being a polite, and so when we ate there the next night, she said, Because you recommended the wine, I've been off and I bought four cases of it. So she, she filled the cellar with whatever dreadful red wine she'd got. <laughs> Outrageous! So, go on. So, that was that was your first night, and so you walked from east to west. We walked from east to west. So, the the second two nights, we were in a, a, a sort of bed and breakfast near the other near the other end. And uh, I don't remember too much about that, but I do remember the local pub, which had as many whiskies as you well you could, you know, as there are stars in the sky. <laughs> it's uh, it's a beautiful place, actually. I've never been there before. Uh, not Brand Northumberland. All right. <laughs> <laughs> and i just i i absolutely love uh roman history yes and, uh, archaeology yeah. like i could have just spent every single day on the on the forts or on the walls and things uh but unfortunately i have a wife and two not unfortunately but you know, <laughs> fortunately i have a wife and, and two daughters uh sadly they're not as interested in uh, in archaeology as me and by the by, the third fort, uh, which is really nice, it was Housteads, oh. fort, which is which is great. Still, the the, the only uh, intact Roman latrine, um, which I made full use of when I was there. Um, but the we got there, so about a ten minute walk in from the car park, 
And we got there, walked through the, the south gate, and my youngest daughter said, can we go now, get an ice cream? No, no, we've only just arrived. Oh. I've never seen such a grumpy expression on anyone, ever. And she maintained that expression for the next hour and a half. Well, I said, look, look, isn't this amazing? This is the North Gate. Now, by the looks of things, this was closed up shortly after the fort was opened. And actually, we can see why, can't we? Because the rebuff on the north side is actually very steep. So I suspect they would have built another gate. Yes, there it is. Just... Hello? The sympathy for the family. <laughs> they went to get an ice cream. They're gone. <laughs> I looked at the latrines on my own. Oh. <laughs> Mind you, if I hadn't, I would have been able to use them, so it's fine. Uh, Mike, we, we, we finished Hadrian's War now, I think. Yes. Mike, Mike. 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 Brampton. Brampton. <laughs> Mike. That's it. There we go. Oh, sorry. I, I, no, we finished, I, must have, I must have nodded off there. Were you talking about Roman history by any chance there, Julian? I might have mentioned it, yeah, just, just once or twice. Fair enough. Yeah. Well, I, I, I did, I've walked yeah. along the wall. i walked along the wall. I've done it twice. Excellent. Have you? Uh, not all the way, because the Pennine Way goes up to the wall, across a little bit, and then it carries on off up into mm. the Kielder Forest, up into yeah. the, uh, the Scottish lowlands near Hoyk and um, somewhere else. Kirk yet home. That's a made-up name, isn't it? Yeah, it's got a... <laughs> it doesn't mean anything. What are these names? Yeah, but, 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 Mr Wainwright of Wainwright's walking guide mm -hmm. book mm -hmm. did a very honourable thing in that when you arrive at the, the pub at the end of the Pennine Way, you go in there and you show them the book and they show them that you, 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 well, you pretend that you've walked the whole however 100 miles or 200 or 300 miles it is from Edale in Derbyshire and they stand you a pint. Very nice. As a wow. congratulations, you've walked the Pennine Way. Oh, fantastic. Yeah, you consider that worth a trip just for a free pint. Yeah, absolutely. Well, that's why I did it twice. <laughs> you can have a bottle of gin. Uh, I got a bottle of gin when I was up in um, uh, up in Northumberland. And there's a place called Annick. Do you, you go to Annick when you were there? Spelled Alnwick. Alnwick, yeah. 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 Uh, and uh, there's this bottle of gin made at Annwick. There's, There's a castle there. Hanwick Castle there, not a right. picture of the model. And uh, I thought you might uh, actually like this, uh, Carl, if you, if you did like any gin at all. Ah! <laughs> well, I would do, yes. <laughs> Why is that? Are you particularly into horse riding then, Carl? <laughs> it's a reference to my, my weakness for my football team. Your football team. Do we do we call it a football team? I, I, I ask only for information. I'm not willing to. Uh... We reached the heady heights of the European Cup final a, a year ago before really plunging back into the depths of obscurity. <laughs> so you're a big fan of Manchester United, then? Oh God, help us! <laughs> <laughs> I can see we're going to get some football hooligans mobbing the site now aren't we yeah well that's it got to appeal to my advice yes absolutely just wear a bloody mask yes sorry yes so so i'm presuming that this is a a, a team from the north london area correct yes of, of, of tottenham 
Tottenham, yes. The, the, the North London team. Uh, yeah. Because the, the other team are from Woolwich, really, and they sort of um, invaded a few years ago. That being Arsenal, by the way, Mike. Right, OK, yes. yes. If, they, if they invaded, then what they should have done is build a wall. Yeah. Mill wall or something, shouldn't they? Yeah. Just a big, yeah. you know, Hadrian's Wall up north. There's Mill Wall down south to, uh, to yeah. stop the Hotspur invaders. So, yeah. so, so, so how did you get into Tottenham Hotspur and football in oh, the first place? Interestingly, yeah, well, when I um, went to boarding school for, first off, and uh, it was 1969, heady, heady, the heady years of, I don't know, I don't think it was Stanley Matthews, but, you know, <laughs> it was a while ago. Anyway, in the early 70s, um, everybody at school either supported Leeds or Chelsea. Well, that was, that was the days of Billy Bremner. Billy Bremner, that's right, yes. Peter uh, Lorimer. Peter uh, Bonetti for Chelsea, Peter is that right? Chelsea, yes, the cat. No, I'm, far too young. I'm just thinking of Stanley Unwin. <laughs> yeah, right, OK, yeah. I, don't worry, Carl. What I can do, if needs be, is I can just pop him into the waiting room and we can talk manly sport like football. <laughs> he would as well. Don't trust him. Yeah. So, yeah, so to, to be contrary, really, I, I, I supported Spurs. Also because um, there was uh, one other boy at school who'd come from, from the Gambia there and uh, his, his elder brother had supported Spurs, so I sort of had a, an in. And uh, you know how these things are. They stick once, you, once you're there. You sort of... Um, become a diehard supporter so um, and oh. my poor son and my younger brother are uh, afflicted in the same way so do, do you okay well in that case then let's carry that on julian i mean you know are you afflicted in the same way is there a particular football team that you have an affinity for do you know i'm, I'm not i'm not really a football person at all i'm afraid uh, never have been um do you, do you not get a tingle in the loins if you talk about Manchester City or no? Is, is there right, any no, interest at all? I don't get many tingles in the loins these days. Oh, right. <laughs> you save yourself a lot of anguish if you're not interested in the football. I have to yeah. say, it's a, you know, I aspire to that. But you, but actually, you actually go and watch this team, don't you? you go and I do, them. yes, yeah. In fact, I went, I was very lucky. The, um, they, they moved to their new stadium after a long delay. Um, and the first match I got to go and see there was that was actually the quarterfinal of the of the European Championships thing, and um, that was when we we beat Manchester City, and it was an extraordinary night. And the stadium, you know, they keep saying it's the best stadium in the world, and I, I wouldn't know, but it is it is a fantastic stadium. Which, which stadium is this? Sorry. Well, it was White Hart Lane, but now it's the Tottenham Hotspur Stadium, which they sort of built over and around the existing Spurs Stadium, which was quite impressive. Um, so it's, it's great and it'll be very good for, for the area because Tottenham's obviously quite a uh, run-down and deprived area but to, to have this magnificent stadium will will lift it I'm sure it, it, it might become a new Chelsea mightn't it oh my god because I'm sure that was run down at one stage wasn't it it's uh... yes I'm sure it was it would probably <laughs> add to their last sort of Bentley or that's right <laughs> I imagine you're the same car that, that you get a big buzz out of treating the pets but a, as big a buzz out of treating the owners. Absolutely. Yes. Know them. Uh, a lot of the owners are, are now my friends. I've been treating their pets for, for 15 years mm. and um, I'm, I'm closer to them than, than some distant members of my family. And, and 
it's really hard not having that rapport with them at the moment. Yeah, no, I, I, I agree. And it's why I, I do try to spend as much time with them in, in, in the car park as, as I can so that we maintain that. But um, And also, you know, a lot, a lot of... I've had three now elderly gentlemen um, just as I go to take the lead for their dog, they just put their hand out to shake my hand automatically because that's just what they do. And then they're going, oh, oh my goodness, I shouldn't be doing that. <laughs> I'll burn my hand when I get home, Mr. Gorman. It's all right. It's all right. I'll burn it. I'll chop it off. Oh, yeah, it off. <laughs> <laughs> Let's chop my hand off. It's all right, old Mr. Frederick. Yeah. How about, I mean, euthanasia is the tough thing, really, isn't yeah. it? Yeah. Yeah. We're quite lucky. We've got a, a, a decent garden out at the back, so we've been taking people around there and letting them sit with the dogs on the grass, and then um, uh, we sort of um, gowned and gloved and uh, and done the deed there. Which is yeah, we, we do the same thing. In 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 strict lockdown, we had a, an extended um, giving set, and, and now obviously we can get a little bit closer. Uh, cats as well. We tend to to triple mix sedate them, so uh, midazolam, metadonidine, and and uh, Buprenorphine, uh, and and then we do we can do that outside, uh, because often it's with with the rule we have at the moment that one client only can come in. Well, that's not good enough because actually, when you're saying goodbye to your bed, it needs to be several of them, yeah, usually the whole family. Yeah, I'm, I'm just I'm I'm saying that I'm quoting pretty much from a book I read uh, not a long time ago uh, by by someone about <laughs> euthanasia. A really good book by I've got it here. Uh, the Aged Dog or something, C wasn't it? Sea Gorman. Sea Gorman. Sea <laughs> Gorman. It was, was it called The Aged Dog? Something yeah, like that. that's the one. Yeah. The Actually, I know, in all seriousness, you, you, you have uh, touched on a, a subject that, that's very close to the heart of every vet, and yeah. it's, it's the most important part of our job, isn't it, Carl? I think so, yes. And, you know, we always say this to the, to the, to the young vets, and it's always true, you'll, you'll get far more thanks after you've put the dog to sleep and after all the effort you put to put it back together after it's raided traffic accident or to pull it through leptospirosis or something. But, um, you know, the, 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 what the clients remember is how you deal with those final moments. And yeah, yeah. it's definitely very important. So yes, the, the aged dog. <laughs> I have, I knew you'd ask about the aged dog. So here, here is the aged dog. Yeah, all right. there we go. Okay, so Carl's holding up to the screen. Ah, The Aged Dog, which is yeah. a book titled The Aged Dog with an old dog um, and um, a lady walking an old dog down a long track. Yes. Now, and she's quite ageing as well, isn't she? You're yes, isn't she? You're not euthanising her as well, are you, Carl? I mean, it's... Well, Henston, who uh, published this, did, uh, you know, the Doglopedia, the Catlopedia. Yeah. Right. Lovely covers to those books, weren't they? I mean, you know, look at And then they come up with this for my bloody book. And that lady looks very much like a receptionist we used to have called Kat. Kat was a very elderly lady. I always remember she used to go and do, do um, an exercise class after work in the evening, and it was called Agile Not Fragile. <laughs> Pictures of both fragile and, and ageing, bless her. But uh, anyway, but yes, you're, you're quite right. You know, the, the, the chapter that the clients always come and points out to me, the, the chapter on euthanasia, said, oh, I read that, it made me cry. It's uh, it's a wonderful thing for us to be able to do this, Mrs. Vets, to, to be able to stop suffering. Uh, yes, and we're not going into the whole human euthanasia argument, but um, it is uh, something that, that that I 
think we have as as almost a gift uh, a privilege a privilege Um, but with that privilege obviously comes huge responsibility and we only get one chance at it yes yes so uh, your 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 chapter actually was written very compassionately and very well uh, and, and and gives I think new graduates uh, the right steer to, to getting things right the first time because the first time is is the only time although I'm sure you'll have anecdotes of when things didn't go right as every vet does and when you go to a, a vet reunion particularly in the first couple of years after graduating yes. the most horrific stories are always around that time they are I mean I think that <laughs> I remember we used to dread visits for euthanasia when you when you were a young vet because of the, you know you're out of your supportive environment on your own or on your own with a nurse if you're lucky and uh, it, all the classic things like um, going to the house and the cat flying round and round the room and you're trying to bat it down every time it goes by <laughs> or um they always since people never turn off the television when you go to put the no, no they don't it's terrible yeah. You're trying to, you know, you're trying to concentrate on the dog, but something interesting is going on on the television. It's a goal! <laughs> well, my goodness me, that's a young Morgan Fairchild, isn't it, there? She's looking all right. Anyway, so we're... Um, isn't she, though? I, I remember I, I did a, a, a euthanasia once in a huge house uh, in Kent, absolutely massive house, and it was in the, the kitchen, which is bigger than the house I'm living in now, this kitchen. And it was a great day and everything went well. And the, the, the couple uh, were, were obviously inconsolable and, and were hugging each other and, and, and the dog. And I, I sort of fumbled over a few words of sympathy and said, well, I'll, I'll, I'll let myself out then. And they both turned around and said, all right, thanks. I turned around and I thought, now what bloody door did I come in? And I, I sort of dithered a bit. And, moved towards a few doors and eventually saw one. I thought, this is the door. Opened it, walked in, and I was in a walk-in larder. And I then <laughs> panicked and thought, well, what do I do? Do I, I should have just walked out again and, and found another door. I, I, I stayed there for a while thinking, you know, perhaps I should wait until they gone back. What I should... And they opened the door and said, are you all right? And I said, I'm sorry, I'm having a moment. And they said, oh, you poor chap. Oh, you've taken it hard as well. And they ended up making me a cup of tea uh, and I think I got a glass of something else a bit. I was there for an hour or so, thinking, <laughs> <laughs> "This is this is the way out of this social faux pas." <laughs> I remember it wasn't it wasn't really a euthanasia, but I um I did a visit once. Uh, uh, there was a very elderly lady that lived near here, and uh, she had a, a large male Doberman. Mm-hmm. And, um, when it came into the surgery, I diagnosed um, atrial fibrillation. And um, I, I spoke to the, the lady and said, well, I'll, I'll come around to the house and I'll talk you through it and uh, we'll start it off on some medication. So I went round and I said, well, we're going we're gonna to give this dog some propranolol, uh, beta blocker to try and, um, you know, slow down this, this fast heart rate and see if we can just settle things down for him. I said, but you have to be aware that, um, you know, it's going to lower the blood pressure and, and um, the dog may be a little bit quiet or occasionally we get faints so she said all right okay that's Mr Gordon 
And she, I remember she was a very elderly lady and she was sat at her, her, her dining table watching me. So I, I said, would you like me to give the first dose for you? And she said, oh, yes, please. Yes, please. So it's a lovely dog, big as well. And it sat down in front of me and I opened its mouth and I popped in this propranolol tablet and it just went, oh, <coughs> killed over, dead. And she sat there and she went, well, we have to see what you mean. <laughs> oh, no. Poor oh, God, I was terrible, that was. But um, I remember going to, to a home visit uh, on a night like tonight. You can probably hear the, the rain on the um, conservatory ceiling now, but it was peeing down. I, was, I got called out about quarter to midnight. Right in the conservatory roof. <laughs> sound effects courtesy of. It, it sounds very posh, doesn't it? Yes. I'm going to go and do some sound effects whilst you go deep into oh, If you could, if you okay. could. And... Um, uh, this is a, an elderly lady, uh, the dog had come to, to the end of the road and, and we, we spoke for a while and decided the best thing to do was to put it to sleep. And it was well past midnight by the, by the time that uh, we, we did this. And um, I sat and had a cup of tea with her and then I said, what would you like doing with, uh, with the body? And, and she said, um, so I'll, I'll bury it in the garden. I said, okay, all right. All right. Um, and I got up to go and I said, when you when you said you you're buried in the garden, you you got someone who'll who'll do it, have you? He said no no I'll I'll, I'll do it yeah you know, I'll take a couple of days over it, and I said right right okay okay, and I started putting my coat on. And I thought oh. I said look, give me a shovel. I was there till two in the morning. I was completely covered in mugs. I fell over several times because the garden was on a slope, and I dug this grave. And, um, and, and bury this dog for her, poor thing. But uh, I can't you tell know. that to the kids today, and they won't yeah, believe absolutely. you. <laughs> <laughs> God, here that I woke up the next morning, and, and my bed was absolutely coated in mugs. I hadn't. I was too tired to actually undress when I got to bed. <laughs> but you do do things like that for people, don't you? I mean, I yeah, think, you do. I, you do. I think that's. that's I think that is nice. Like you say, I, I think it's it's lovely to be part of the community. I saw I I, I wrote to the vet record recently because they had a, a little article in there by somebody who said that they'd been at the pub and somebody had come in and asked them about their dog because they knew they were a vet and they were complaining and saying, you know, aren't I entitled to my own private life? And I said, well, no, you're, you're a vet. It's a calling, and you know that's who you are. It defines you, or defines me anyway. Yeah, I quite so, agree. I quite agree. Someone said to me, I was at a well, everywhere I go, I'm sure it's the same with you. Uh, people come up with, oh, Julian, I know, I know you're not working today, but... Yeah. Actually, no, I never mind. No, nor do I, at all. At that's, all. Not what, that's not what you said when we were filming a, a <laughs> the other day. <laughs> 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 There's a villain who's a vet who does resent uh, anyone asking him questions. And uh, whenever he's at a party with people he doesn't know, when they say to him, what do you do? He says... I'm a gynaecologist on the basis that people would probably be either too embarrassed <laughs> to ask him something or, or show him. <laughs> I, I don't know what sort of success rate he's had, but he's never been married. <laughs> uh, I bet you've had a lot of clients offering to show, to show you things you probably didn't want to see. Yes, that rashes. Mm. Oh, oh, yes, my, my dog's got this rash. So have I. Be like that. Soon after, soon after I started, I worked in Swindon briefly, and um, 
I remember a, a, a quite a large bloke and his wife coming in and they, they came in and, and the problem they wanted to describe was their dog who'd um, kept having these, um, his balls kept appearing in the wrong place, you see. <laughs> but, uh, I, I, after a bit of delving, obviously it turned out it's the normal bulbar carbonosum, you know, the, um, the appearing. And uh, so I explained all this to them. I said, it's part of the erectile tissue and that's quite normal. <laughs> he turned to his wife and he said, mine never does that, does it? <laughs> oh, too much information, too much. <laughs> <laughs> uh, brilliant. They do lose their inhibitions when they're talking to you. They, 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 I mean, they'll confide anything. In, 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 yeah, yeah. They do, which, which is sometimes lovely, isn't yeah. it? And, and you are, we say you're part of the community, you're part of their, their world sometimes. And yeah. uh, I, I do love that. Uh, as, as I've got older and as I've been working at a practice for longer, um, then you know, inevitably clients themselves have, have grown old and, and, and died or become ill and things. And, and again, it's, it's wonderful being part of of other people's lives and being able hopefully sometimes to to support them and console them no i completely well, that's how you ended up with a dog isn't it <laughs> that's how i've ended up with a little dog yes little, little jake has come to us his uh, his owner sadly isn't able to look after him anymore so we have this lovely little dog who uh, is exactly not the dog i ever thought i'd get <laughs> what is it I thought I'd get a, you know, a, a Labrador or something that would accompany me on the Pennine Way or uh, on Arthur's Dyke. Uh, instead, I've got a Shih Tzu cross that can't walk more than 200 yards because it has a gammy leg. <laughs> one gammy <laughs> leg? Well, one, one super gammy leg. The other three are kind of gammy. Yes. Semi-gammy. Semi well, you, you wouldn't be a vet if you didn't have a collection of duff. Duff creatures, really. I'm quite yes, I've got a good collection of duff creatures. The latest one is Bernard the Dachshund, who um, was um, uh, from a rescue in, in in Wales, and he was being fostered by a vet down near um, near Western Supermare. Right. And the rescue thought he had um, elbow dysplasia because he had right. very wonky front legs, sort of normal for a Dachshund, really. Um, anyway, they were, getting, they were trying to raise the money for an ulnar osteotomy or bilateral ulnar osteotomy. And, and Claire spotted this dog and said, um, volunteered my services, said, oh, we, if we have the dog, we'll do that for you. <laughs> so we went and picked up Bernard, who, who is a lovely little dog. Um, and I x-rayed him. It's funny. It doesn't quite look like I was expecting. So I sent it off to a local orthopedic chap. And he said, oh, God, no, don't do an ulnar osteotomy. He said he's got complete congenital dislocations of his elbows and he, his radial heads don't come anywhere near the elbows. So he's just got ulnars at the elbows. A, uh, a radial hemiplegia, isn't it? Yeah, it's, it's, and he said a pretty severe case of it. But to be fair, he comes charging around. He does a couple of miles walk with me quite happily. Hmm. There's like parkour around the living room. He sort of leaps up onto the arms of the chairs and bounces around <laughs> great yes and then we got a i got a little kitten that um i got from cats protection which uh, i went up to the cats protection weekly visit and um saw this litter of kittens and this particular one wasn't breathing very well mm. so i so said we need to x-ray that so um 
had it back at the practice and x-rayed it and looked like all of its abdominal contents were inside its chest you know at whatever age it was eight nine weeks of age so i said oh we have to put this to sleep and they said okay and as i was on the, on the phone to them it was just playing around in its cage and it looked quite happy so i said i said i'll tell you what I said uh, i'll take it on and i'll do the surgery i won't charge you but i'll take the cat on it'll probably die when we anesthetize it anyway so we um anesthetized it and uh repaired this massive pericardio uh, diaphragmatic hernia. Pericardio peritoneal diaphragmatic hernia, was it? Mm. Terrible. I mean, the, you know, very dramatic x-rays. Sailed through this bloody operation. And uh, the next morning I went down to see how it was. I'd taken it home and put it in a cage at home. And it climbed on top of this cage and leapt off. And I've got a video. I was taking a video to show how well it was doing. And the video ends with me going, oh, God, no, <laughs> as it leaps off. <laughs> And uh, yeah, so he's seven now, is Diesel, and he's uh, still going hey, to brilliant. Diesel, trust me, because I keep saying to her, "Can we? Have this, this animal it'll die quite soon." And she says, "I don't believe you anymore." <laughs> so now, you, you're a, obviously you love your surgery, that's the right, and you're you're quite keen on gadgets as well, aren't you? Yes, we do like a good gadget. I mean, that's you know, I think that's why I wanted to buy a practice in the first place, so I could indulge myself. Yeah, yeah. we got a couple of those funny blood pressure measuring things that gather dust in the back of the cupboard. <laughs> Get it out and use it. No, they're excellent. We use them a lot. And I'll tell you what I use them a lot for is my exotics. As soon as they're asleep, on goes the Doppler. And uh, it's great. They're, they're really good for our, uh, our uh, uh, lizards and uh, even the birds and things. Very good. Mm. So we do use them for what they're meant to be used for, but that, but they're really, really useful for that monitoring of those exotics. It was it was twenty four years ago, I think, that I invented that thing. Was it? And I probably bought it twenty three and a half. Judging <laughs> by the box, <laughs> I'll look up the record, shall I, and tell you how long you've owned your cat Doppler, Mr. Gorman. Slightly overdue a service, I'm afraid, Mr. Yes, Gorman. Might be. <laughs> Still going strong today. Thank you very much for that uh, that little plug. I appreciate that. You, yeah, I think you've had one or two of them back a couple of times, but they've done very. They have done very well over the years. Yeah, they're, they're very good. We, we send a couple of ours back, and it's usually because people have dropped them. Yes. Yeah. They, they think I'm sorry, so. I cannot be held responsible for that. And uh, okay. made... I, get, I get phone calls. We've got one of your Dopplers. You sort of go, yeah. Where's this going? And it's broken, and it's as if it's my fault. <laughs> They've had it sixteen it's years, Teslas, and it's gone into a juggernaut. What are you going to do about it? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. All good fun. All good got, fun. Uh, the, uh, my my longtime favourite gadget was the CO two laser, which um, is very popular in America because, of course, they do a lot of declawing of cats over there, and it's. Um, quick and relatively painless well nothing's painless but um, but that's why a lot of clinics have them over there but um so that's a dead industry then <laughs> hopefully yeah. Ho hopefully yes hopefully yeah hopefully but, i think i think uh, the laser yeah. was we bought we bought it from the uh, cruise many years ago and um they wanted me and some i think four other vets to be sort of demonstrators mm -hmm. so before buying it they took us with one of their reps over to Colorado State University. Very nice. Wow. To, do the, to do the laser course over there. 
Excellent. So we had a lovely, a lovely flight over. Mm. We picked up the hire car in, in uh, Denver, I think it was, and we drove up to the um, university. Had a brilliant night. Turned up at the university the next morning, and the tutor said, "Oh, he said, well, day one's mostly just sort of anatomy and stuff for the undergraduates. You don't really need to attend this." So we said, "Right, oh, turned around, off we went. We visited the national parks. Had a great day. Got completely lost." Got back to the Waffle House at about one o'clock in the morning and had had <laughs> any time of the day there. So we had those and did did the course the next day before flying back. It was uh, it was tremendous. Can we can we take a, uh, just a moment here because we, we we've touched on a subject that that I'm quite passionate about and I think you guys are probably quite passionate about as well. But because not all of our listeners and viewers are specifically veterinary. We've touched on the subject about declawing cats. Yes. Can we just take a moment just to explain to those people that aren't specifically veterinary just exactly what that operation is and that it's not just a case of taking the nail off the end of the, the finger or the, the phalange or the phalange, the, the toe. It's actually removing the whole of the first joint of the finger and the toe. Am, am, I, am I right in that? Yeah, you're absolutely right. And they will do it to nine or ten, uh, you know, well, ten, ten toes on the front and eight toes on the, the back, all in one go. Um, and these poor cats are in considerable discomfort afterwards. And also, you know, they are disadvantaged for the rest of their, their lives. I mean, to be fair, they can't climb, they can't protect themselves. They can't, can't unravel people's jumpers. Yes, they can't, as you say, can't wake you up in the middle of the night by clawing you helpfully. Mm. It's uh, no, it's you know, psychologically for a cat, it's quite, it's uh, it's a bit like having you know, birds with um, clipped, clipped wings that can't fly. You know, they've got mm. they yeah. a psychological dis disadvantage. So, yeah, so that that actually leads to a number of psychological issues, doesn't it? And that that yeah. presents itself with the cat urinating inappropriately, marking territories, they, they struggle with their litter trays yes. and all of that sort of stuff. So uh, I, I understand that gradually the movement is, is growing across America and it's, yes. now, it's now illegal in most states. It, it is illegal in the UK, isn't it? It, it, it is illegal. It has been illegal for uh, many, many years in, in the UK. Um, it was legal to remove dew claws from dogs uh, mm -hmm. up until a while back. It's outlawed now, although there are still quite a few people that, that will do it to certain breeds. Um, it's in the same group as, as detoothing, devocalizing and cropping ears. Uh, they're right. mutilations. Um, and interestingly enough, there's as, as a little nonsense aside here. Uh, if you remove a digit from an animal, then that's mutilation. Um, and I always think, as I imagine everyone else does, of the Greek word for mutilation, uh, meaning uh, the, the Greek for, for, for mutilation is, is colobus. And colobus monkeys have four fingers, they're, they're missing a thumb. Now, if 100 or so years ago, colobus monkeys were called colobus monkeys because they were thought to be mutilated because they lost their thumbs, then how back then could it have been acceptable to mutilate Mm. dogs and cats yeah. there's this complete disconnect between what's fair and right for yeah. 
our pet animals. Uh, and the Americans are just getting it, I think. Hopefully, they're just getting it. They haven't quite got human rights or, or BLM yet, but they're just about getting that that perhaps dogs and cats can can feel some pain. Mm. Well, the, the law here was, I don't know what it is at the moment, but the law was that you could do surgical procedures to kittens and, and puppies before their eyes opened without, without the use of anaesthetic, um, hence yeah. tail docking and, and duke law removing. Um, without the need for any anaesthetic or, uh, uh, you know, a, a pain relief, um, which, I mean, I don't, I don't know why anybody thought that just because the eyes were closed, they couldn't feel any pain. <laughs> Absolutely, yeah, yeah. It's because they can't see what's happening. What, what's, 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 what are you doing in the back there? Oh my God, you're taking it off. Extend to blind, blind people as well. You don't need to waste anaesthetics on blind people. Because Presumably not. Presumably, maybe some any blind people listening to this um, could, could could write in and tell us: Do, do they feel pain? <laughs> don't, don't write in. Honestly. Don't write in. I think we know the answer to that one. <laughs> <laughs> don't write in. I, I think we know. Yes, the, uh, do it for you because obviously it's it's a little it's a little it's a little tricky. Yeah, absolutely. So Listen, I don't. No. Well, what what? How do, you, how do you manage? How do you manage with because um, we. Well, not me. I haven't dealt with any so far, but our um, two of my colleagues have been very good and seeing our deaf um, clients and they've been thoughtful and have put visors on because obviously the, 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 the lip reading and the facial expressions are so important to the mm. deaf people. So they they are. It's interesting. I, I had a, a deaf person in the other day and my wife is a brilliant uh, signer. So she, she learned sign language because uh, before we met, um, she had some deaf friends. Well, she still, she still has some deaf friends. <laughs> you can't have those anymore. We're married now. So us getting together and her having some deaf friends, she learned how to sign. And so she, she taught me a little bit. And, um, uh, and so I have a few uh, deaf people who come and see me. And you're absolutely right uh, that... that they they really struggle so i have this plastic visor um and i take the mask off but we're behind the the other uh plastic screen anyway but i'll 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 sign and and talk and and, and they they get by but they they've said to me they're really really struggling at the moment uh one of them the only place that she's been since lockdown is to the vets wow. because she's terrified to go anywhere else precisely because no one's going to understand and no one's going to know that she's deaf yeah. and she's afraid that, that she'll be uh, ridiculed or outcast or, or just have a, a really bad experience of it. So terrible thing. Mm. Mm. Yes. Yes. What's, what's been your experience, Carl? Yeah, it's a, well, actually, uh, one, one thing that, um, because we're, we're part of CVS, I've been for a few years now, and actually CVS had, had a very a very good initiative, which was to um, sign up to the um, sign video initiative, which is where a, a deaf person um, can, uh, on, a, on a mobile device, get in contact with a signer right. who acts as the translator. So right. the deaf person will sign to the translator who will speak to the vet and vice versa. And they can do it at home as well so that the, um, the translator can phone us up and uh, make appointments or explain symptoms or whatever. And that, and that, that's that's a, a really good service, actually. Mm, really good. I hadn't heard of that. That's, that's superb. So what's that, uh, what's that called? Sign video. Sign video. Right, okay. Very good. Yeah, I, it, 
very impressed. It was actually um, sort of launched at one of our conferences by um, a deaf, um, she's a, a sort of patient care assistant or at one of the practices. Um, and she gave a, a marvellous talk about how she works, how she copes with what she has to do and how she has to explain to um, to the deaf clients a, a, a lot of the instructions which we take for granted, even things that we sort of write down. Um, because sign language has a different grammar to spoken language, sometimes, you know, what would seem to be a clear instruction from us actually is not actually grasped all that well by the, by the deaf person. Yeah. Um, and um, you know, things I hadn't even considered, but uh, it, it, she, she was inspirational, I have to say. Fantastic. Okay. Well, uh, if, if, I, if I could take uh, a couple of seconds here, um, let me, I'm just going to quickly share my screen here, Carl. And I'm hoping that I get this right. I've not been that good at it over the... Uh, absolutely. So is this what you're actually talking about? It is, yes. Sign, sign video. So that's signvideo.co.uk, which is need to pre-book an online interpreter. So, so anybody can use this service then? Yes, I believe so, yeah. Um, I mean, I'm not sure. I, I don't know if there's a, a cost involved somewhere. Um, if there is, I know that sort of CVS have signed up for it but um i think for deaf people it's a free free service down download our app now no need for an account just click and call there we go wow that's excellent that's that really... is a superb service mm. <laughs> <laughs> guys guys it's been an amazing evening i've had a great time tonight i hope i hope you have as well carl and i hope all of our, our listeners have um normally about this time of the evening we um well I, I feel quite bad about this because you you normally do a weekly joke on Facebook, don't you, Carl? I do. I do. Sort of a dad joke, but on, on this show, this is the Julian and Mike show, <laughs> and and so normally Julian would do the joke. I, I don't. I don't mind. I've got a joke, but I don't mind Carl doing one. Have you got a joke, Carl? Oh well, I had my last one that was on there, I suppose, which was that. Um, Quite topical because we have uh, we now have a bee veterinary society and it's been a wonderful summer for the, for the bees. Um, the flowers I don't know if you've noticed, but the flowers have been fantastic this year, and I've seen more bees than ever. But the problem is they've been doing too well. They've been feeding so much on all this pollen that they've been finding it very very hard to sort of fly and to fit back into their their little sort of cells in the uh, hives. It's been a bit of a a bit of an obesity crisis, I'm afraid. <laughs> Brilliant. Brilliant. Is it, I, I thought I, you I, were bad. I thought you were bad, Julian. <laughs> oh, 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 I get it. Hang on. Obesity. All right. Oh, right. Okay. Sorry. That's, it's me, Carl. It's me. It's me, mate. Not. It's not your joke. No, no. It's it's me. I'll have another gin. I loved it. I loved it. Yeah. And I, I struggle to think of a good. I always try and link a joke in with with what we're going to be talking about. I had not idea with what we're going to be talking about, but I thought, well, let's think of Malaysia because I went to Malaysia on my honeymoon, and one of the one of the best things that we did. I'll, I'll rephrase that. One of the loveliest uh, sites that we saw there was um, in the in the Taman Negara, the national park, 
there. We went to the Tuatalinga. Uh, I've probably got the pronunciation completely wrong, but it's the Bat Cave. And it was it was quite incredible before coronavirus, so you wouldn't have had the faintest risk of wonderful. Walking through or crawling through this this cave full of bats. And so I thought, well, this is a bat joke. And uh, we, we move from Malaysia to Transylvania, where Sister Mary Damien and Sister Patrick are driving along. And this vampire bat jumps onto the car and starts using its teeth or gnawing through the windscreen to get to them. And Sister, Sister Mary Damien says, oh, oh, for heaven's sake, Sister Patrick, what is a vampire bat? What are we going to do? What are we going to do? And Sister, uh, Sister Patrick says, it's all right. It's all right. Don't, don't worry, Sister Mary Damien. I've got it all in hand. She puts some windscreen wipers on knocks the bat off and oh thank goodness for that and the bat comes back grabs hold of, of this windscreen wiper with his little little claws and pulls it back snaps it away and starts grazing through the uh, the windscreen again and oh oh sister patrick what are we gonna do oh oh goodness don't don't worry don't don't worry sister mary damon i've got it all under control she, she puts a windscreen wash on she's like i put holy water in the windscreen wash gives a little squirt and Steam comes off this vampire bat, and he's really peed off by this, and it's starting to smolder a bit. But eventually, the, the windscreen wash runs out, and the bat shakes his little furry body and starts burrowing away through the windscreen again. <gasps> oh, for heaven's sake, we're going to be killed by this vampire bat. What are we going to do? Don't worry, Sister Mary Dave, don't worry. Show him your cross. Good idea, Sister Patrick. So she puts her head out of the window and says, Will you bugger off, you annoying little bat? You're really pissing me off now, you know. And on that note, on that note, we, we tribute to the, <laughs> that wonderful Irish comedian Dave Allen. <laughs> I will, I will thank you in particular, Carl, Carl Gorman, for joining us. To, oh, oh shit, sorry. No, don't, don't, don't swear, don't swear. We didn't. Oh, right. oh, 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 whoops! I cut. Edit, edit, edit that bit out. Right, okay. We've, we've got a CPD certificate. Oh man, we've done CPD. That. We've done. We have done CPD. So here we go. Well, well, we have done CPD. We've done lots of CPD, and in fact, yeah. there is a picture of the bat. We didn't do anything about tapirs tonight, Julian. No, but there's a Malaysian tapir. No, no. You just give it up with the tapirs, will you? Temple <laughs> in Malaysia, and look, you like laser surgery, and I couldn't get any pictures of lasers. Fantastic. But there's a stormtrooper, and I think they use lasers. And look, there is. There is a wild ginger plant or ginger flower in Malaysia. Wonderful. And it says, Certificate of Absolute Awesomeness. This certifies that the humble viewer has learned a brainful today to take a day off. And it says, Me and him, Veteran Ramblings. Mars it. There we go. So you can present that to the RCVS and RCVS knowledge um, yeah, yeah. to show that you have completed your. X number of hours of CPD. That's that's worth how many? Is that's worth an hour of CPD? Is it, Julian? About an hour. About an hour. About an hour. Yeah. Okay, fair enough. Ah, right. but uh, no, only worth it though if we complete the regulations. Uh, the regulatory requirements are, of course, to reflect on the knowledge. Man. So, have I had a holiday for two weeks or something? <laughs> pretty much. Okay. So, okay, so so if everybody would kindly join us to reflect on our CPD from this evening. Um, okay. Let's, okay, we're going to reflect.
Mm. I've, got, I've got all out of sync with this yeah, whole thing. Great. That's good. It, it, it's like I've had a two-week holiday, Julian, except it's you that's been away. Yeah, all right. I went away. I went to Northumberland. I learned a new language. All right. Why? 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 I had a little fish in a little dish in a book, anyway, did you? Yeah, 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 well, yeah, yeah. yeah. Hang on a minute. Hang on. I'm going to put my mask back on here. <laughs> Hang on. No, no, you're doing it against hand signals. Okay, so, so for those people who were watching or even were listening, it might just foul, really, honestly. <laughs> he was giving us five, a five-minute countdown, and they... Um... Yeah, it was a couple of gestures, yeah. It was I did it, a two-minute two countdown. Two-minute two countdown. Two-minute countdown, yeah, yeah, yeah. And, 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 and we've got to go. <laughs> we've got, we must, we must, yeah, we must go. Playing banjo, playing banjo, we've got to go. Listen, if you've, if you've enjoyed the show, thank you ever so much. As I say again, Carl, thank you so much for joining us. If you've enjoyed the show, so much, <laughs> click like, share. It's been a great evening. Thank you very <laughs> much indeed. And as Julian did a wonderful Sister Mary, Pyrus, Patrick, whatever gesture to Dave Allen, one of our favourite comedians. May your dog go with you. May your dog go with you. Thank you very much. Enjoy. Thanks, Carl. Thank you, Carl. That's great. And cut! (laughs) It's a wrap. wrap. Well, there we go. Was that very painful? Very good. (laughs) Did you enjoy yourself, Carl? I did. I did. It was good. (laughs) It was good fun. (laughs) You were so... Great if anyone ever watches this, it's going to be a mystery to me. But um, actually, people are watching it. People are they're watching it all over the world. Excellent. We actually, we actually had someone watch it in Malaysia. Was Did it, you? Yeah. Was it a relation of yours? <laughs> Probably. I didn't. I have to pre-warn them. <laughs> what a great night. Yes, it's been great fun. Have you enjoyed yourself, Carl? Definitely, yes. Good. Good. Thanks so much for, for, for coming on, Carl. Thank you. I really, really appreciate it. So you actually, have you watched any other episodes other than Georgie Hollis? Uh, I watched a bit of Phil, because you've got to keep an eye on Phil. And <laughs> Well, you're following in footsteps, aren't you? Yeah, absolutely brilliant. So listen, thank you ever so much, Carl. We really appreciate it. That's great. Thanks for the evening. It's been good no. fun. Thanks a lot. See you soon, Carl. Yes, I will. Take care. <laughs> Cheers. All right, ta-da. Bye. Bye. That was all right. I think I went well, yeah. Yeah, yeah. I do. Yeah. I, he's great, isn't he? I, I, do, yeah. I do like him. Yeah. I was a bit in awe. The first time I met him um, on one of the um, committee meetings, because yeah. I'd written a couple of books at the time, but you know, my books were shit. Uh, he'd written a book that people read, and I thought, oh, I've written a book. He's written a book. So I was, I was a bit afraid I wouldn't speak to him for the first couple of meetings. Um, but yeah, he's, he's such a nice guy.